0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Galactica. Actually, I am Adiel Jackson and my co-host is Miss Jamie Smith. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are uh, you?
0: Um, I've been my brain has been heavy with the thoughts of what is flesh and bone. <laughs> I've been thinking well, about.
1: It's this thing that we have flesh and bones.
0: Yeah. I've been thinking. Uh, it's he- my mind is heavy, thinking, contemplating what is humanity. Mm. Why? What's uh, what makes a machine a machine? Actually, I haven't been thinking about any of that. But
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you figure it out? What makes yeah. a machine a machine? You can plug it in, power it down.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I've been using a lot of uh, AI stuff lately, just playing with that stuff, and it is—it definitely is interesting. Every time I look at it, I'm like, "Oh, wow, yeah, um, the Cylons were created by man." <laughs> yeah. This has all happened before, and we're maybe we're in the middle of one of the cycles.
1: So. Every time I see one of those Boston Dynamic robots, I'm like, "No, fucking no!" Yeah, no, no. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: this is how it starts. Well, yeah, when with they these test- things
0: they tested it to like push it. Do you see the one where they pushed it over yeah. just to show I could get up? And I was like, Oh guys, don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't, don't teach it. Things like that. Don't teach it to open doors. Yeah. Uh. It's very complicated. And yet, like when I watch star Wars, I care very much about the droids
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to a point where I, I like, I, but I think of them like little animals unless they're like humanoid droids and I, they I care about them and, and I, care about the Cylons in this show and yet I don't want that in real life because they I saw Terminator. Yeah. They will try to kill us. Well. Maybe we deserve it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll try to kill us.
1: (laughs) Every time I say that, my friends are like, yeah, you watch too much sci-fi. Yeah.
0: I mean, I. But
1: should we be learning From our (laughs) sci-fi. Did no one read 1984?
0: I remember I had conversations years ago with a friend. And he basically. And I I mostly agree with him. Um, You know. He was just kind of saying. How like. uh, They will only really do what they are programmed to do. So if they do end up killing us. It's because they've been sort of programmed to. But. Primarily. That idea of them wanting to kill us just comes from our own fears and that doesn't necessarily equal reality. And that's kind of why I don't think that's the case, but you know, who knows?
1: Well, that in theory makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You throw into the mix how we keep pushing and pushing the advancement of AI.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's learning. They're teaching it things so it can learn things Mm -hmm. and then eventually make its own decisions
0: yeah and yeah it definitely could be like well you guys are a virus so we're gonna (laughs) make the system perfect by removing this thing so I mean it definitely is a possibility but I think like again in fiction there's always like this sort of malice behind it um, and I don't necessarily know that that part will happen. Actually, it might be a little even more scary because you won't be able to reason with it. Uh,
1: wasn't there something that came out recently? It might have been a TV show. or might have been a movie. That was exactly the thing that happened is it viewed humans as a virus on the planet. And so was trying to wipe out the people to save the in, planet.
0: I mean that's definitely a line from like the Matrix, the uh, first Matrix.
1: Oh, I I saw that. So, I only saw that once, and so long ago, mm-hmm. I don't remember really anything about it.
0: Mm-hmm. It was something but I yeah, saw I, not that long ago. But I, yeah, I, I think the part like we like as humans because we're always like we have an innate fear of the other and outside, so we like that extra layer is added on of like uh, malevolence or malice. Yeah, as they're getting rid of us. But like, I kind of feel like a computer would just be a little bit more logical about it and just be like, oh I mean, like when they when a company lays off people, <laughs> and, um and they would just be like, hey, you know, this isn't working. Our bottom line is this and they just might callously remove people. I mean, I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> I definitely didn't read a story about a whole division that Funko fired recently uh, Oh
0: yeah, not at all. Yeah, that was yesterday, right? Yeah. That was like the Mondo or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
1: who they acquired last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's actually kind of what I like. I mean, and they talk a lot about this <laughs> in the episode. I guess it's like, but like we again, we have an innate fear of the other, right? So when we fear the other, we like we got to We got to stop this. But when it comes from our perceived inner group it's like we're easy breezy about it like and that's the conversation we're having like with tiktok and right now it's like we got to we got to ban tiktok but facebook is okay you know um uh when that but bomber because of like oklahoma- the
1: data mining and stuff
0: yeah it's like well this one is from china so that's bad but like yeah. when it's it's american company oh it's like no no problem or like when um the oklahoma bomber back in like 93 or 94 it's like everyone was kind of like – it was sad, but we – like we didn't change the entire fabric of society to stop that largely. But then when you had um, 9-11 when it was from an outside group, then all of a sudden like that – we had to like change everything, right? Make new laws and new acts of Congress. And so I think a lot of that gets um, – uh, a lot of the motivation comes from an innate uh, like cellular biology Piece of us where we like we just we're like we we're more motivated when we feel like it comes from outside of our group rather than inside.
1: Sure, you and know. and by our group we mean white people because we can call <laughs> anybody a terrorist if they're brown, but not when they're white, even if they're doing the exact same thing. But that's not what yeah. this show's about.
0: <laughs> that's not what this show's about. And I, I'm just saying, like as yeah. humans, like it, it yeah, could no, be. You're
2: right.
1: It
0: I could mean, be any.
1: You can say that after the Oklahoma City bombing, they did they did change certain things. You cannot buy yeah, but, a certain kind of f- fertilizer in large quantities ever yeah. again. However. They put bar-
0: they put barriers in front of buildings and that kind of stuff yeah. for sure.
1: But with 9-11, we no longer can get onto an airplane without taking our shoes off first. Yeah. And that wasn't even 9-11. That was one guy with a bombing issue. Yeah. You know, like we can't go to the gates to meet our loved ones when they fly in. We can't accompany people to a gate even if you're a child you can't accompany your child to the gate like you can't go through security anymore yeah without all of these new rules in place which is fine to an extent but yeah you're right that that these extremes would not have happened if someone not foreign had hijacked a plane and done what they did
0: Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. there was a person like a little bit later that like he flew his airplane into like the I- some IRS building, <laughs> and uh, like you hardly ever talk about it or hear about it. Like it was barely news then. Oh, I you know? don't even but...
1: remember that at
2: all.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I mean, it was like a small building, and I think only the maybe only the pilot died. It was like a Piper type airplane, small aircraft, but. It just, you know, if it had been um, a foreign national Mm -hmm. that we would it would have been, you know, we might have almost wanted to declare war on them. And, you know, like, it's just that that piece of that piece of humanity is like kind of what we're like the show talks about and discusses and, um, you know, are like it just explores why we do what we do Mm -hmm. often um, and calls into question some of our approaches to things. So not as off topic as uh, it kind of feels. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. to break down this episode, it, you know, last week we talked a bit towards the end about how this is about torture and really anticipated getting into a discussion about the concept of torturing, I think, which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure we will. There's a lot to parse out here, but it's also, like, a broader question of the what they're willing to do to Leoban. They're only mm-hmm. willing to do because he's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different layers of that. Is, it, is he a machine? Does he feel? Whatever. But also, like, just put a different name on it. And mm-hmm. what are we willing to do to somebody that is not what we consider, quote, one of us? Mm -hmm. that's the big question here on top of like, how do we damage our humanity? If we're going to torture something, whether we consider it a person or not, it's still alive. Mm -hmm. And how, how far are we going to go? How far are we willing to take it? I think that's what Kara goes through because she starts out more than willing to do everything it takes to get information out of him. And towards the end, she's just like, no like pull his head out of the bucket this is this is too much
0: she's ready to go like on a picnic with him by the end of this episode well i
1: wouldn't go that far (laughs) i don't think she wants to be best friends with him or anything but i think she starts to feel like he's more than just like wires and circuits Mm -hmm. he's more than just programmed. Like, those are aspects of him for sure. But there's more to him. He bleeds, he sweats, he feels pain. This torture, while he can endure it to a probably greater extent than a human could, he still has limits and he's still being hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think she sort of stops having enjoyment in what she's doing because she's seeing that. There's... He's a machine, but he's also flesh and blood. Maybe not bone. We don't know. But definitely flesh and blood.
0: Yeah. There's definitely blood.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: All right. You want to talk about the episode? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We open up in um, It Was All a Dream. Um, President Roslyn is... A traipsing um, through a forest, it's like a fairy tale almost. She's like in her nightgown, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary, dreamy, scary. She's being chased by somebody, and it looks like they're marines. And she, as she kind of runs from them through the forest, she passes a tree, and uh, oh, she actually in the distance she sees Leoben kind of waving. And then she passes a tree, and then Leoben grabs her and kind of helps hide her. Um, as the Marines rush by,
1: he says they're Cylons.
0: Yeah. Then he stares at her, kind of looks down and then he kind of rushes backward and flies away mm-hmm. and then she, she wakes up. Yeah. And it was all a dream. She or used was to read it? Word up, she used to read Word Up magazine. Um, <laughs> uh, Billy, uh, enters and he says that there's a message that he needs to give her, um, and it is from the Geminon Traveler, um, another vessel, and they said they have captured a Cylon that matches the description of Leoban, which is very, like, ooh, what's happening? Um, so she, she calls, uh, Commander Dama, and they have a little back and forth about, um, interrogating this prisoner Um, there's a little back and forth uh, about intentions and philosophy that we're going to be exploring through the episode which is basically you know Adama's like I don't want to bother with this (laughs) let's just get rid of him. but Rosalind I think I think a little motivated by the dream but also she is a little bit more um, like curious about getting more information she insists that they do an interrogation
1: which i get i don't think she was ever gonna get much information out of him regardless of the tactics they took though
0: yeah but it was it's more of like what well, i mean just uh even even if you even if you come up against um closed doors that still have more information than you did before if it if not not necessarily information but you could like you know again as we see throughout the episode it's like how how does this thing act how does it respond um you get closer to it to kind of decide whether it's human or not like the, up to this point they don't really know um how these things operate they have seen they seen Dural and they have Leobin's body but they don't really know much about the nature of these things just yet. So it is an opportunity, but I think mostly she's just like, I had this crazy dream and then all of a sudden the same guy is captured. I, we probably want to find out a little bit more. Yeah. Cause it, it's pretty interesting. Cause, uh, in this moment too, because Adama keeps calling Leoben an it, the silent and it, and she kind of stumbles over this. So she's just like, uh, like she calls it a man or, and this kind of happens a little bit later in the episode where she feels compelled to give it humanity, whereas uh, Adama is definitely against that idea. Mm-hmm. So then um, she, Rosalind is like, "Let's like let's do this." It doesn't give it an order, I don't think. But no, she does. Um, she
1: literally oh, she says, "That's an order, Commander."
0: <laughs> Adama goes to the hangar deck where. Kara Thrace is still working on the Cylon. I kind of think it's cool that she's wearing like the the deck mm-hmm. uniforms. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, like, again a little back and forth with Starbuck. And Adama is very adamant that Leoben is not to be trusted. He will try to manipulate you. He says he'll get in. He'll get in your head. Warns her not to trust anything. And he, there's one thing he says that's really, like, apparent that that kind of happens throughout here. Um, is he just said that he's, like, like he doesn't, it's not, he's, what he does is worse than lying. He mixes lies with the truth. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I have a lot, I have a lot to talk about <laughs> when it comes to some of that stuff a little bit later.
1: Adama says that he has an agenda, but that you won't understand that until later. Mm -hmm. and I don't think what happens like this is true Leoben has an agenda Kara won't understand it until later but it's not what Adama was referring to not the type Mm -hmm. of agenda that Adama was referring to I think that Leoben I don't know if he went into this like he's heard the name Starbuck before I don't know if he went into this really feeling like she has a special destiny and all of that stuff that comes out later, or if he lands on that during this interrogation.
0: So I did a little bit in some of my researching and stuff. It's like, we always forget about the plan because it's pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you mean
1: the plan they refer to or the plan the 2 hour TV movie that the Edward James hour, almost directed?
0: The 2 hour TV movie. Yeah, no, I try um, to forget about yeah, that all the time. Yeah, try we we all should try to forget about that. <laughs> um but they they discuss um uh, some of some of the stuff I, I uncovered was uh because I really only saw that thing once back in 2010 whenever it came out. Same but uh, I guess in the plan, it says that Leobin, um he actually had an, obs- an obsession with Kara. Um, he had hacked into the military communications and repeatedly listened to her while she was in her Viper. Um, and then I guess he did some more digging, and that's how he found out so much about her. And I really hate that, actually, because it totally... That's why the plan was terrible. Um, but it totally demystifies, like, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of the conversations that they have here because um, it's, I think...
1: Like, that explains a little bit about, like, what he knows about her mother-ish. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that would be in her military records, though, to be honest. Yeah,
0: that that is true. And I yeah.
1: feel... I agree with you about the plan. I feel like that did a lot to sort of derail what had actually happened in this show mm-hmm. and so I personally don't really acknowledge it because <laughs> it's it's not like taking all of the future stuff and applying that to the past because it's a prequel and having mm-hmm. the what happens in the future inform the past it's Almost disregarding the things that happened on the show,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it, overriding some of it to where it's like, "Well, this is a dumb plan."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, and I didn't remember yeah. that stuff about Leoben. I, I'm glad I forgot it because it it's also very stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I just I. I mean, I even though I read it, I don't even remember. <laughs> so, I read the only thing I remember from the plan, really, is all the stuff with Simon. Because that was like, it was almost like there were two different threads of that story. One of them was like retelling the story from the Cylon's perspective. But then the other part with Simon, I feel like he was dealing with something on a more personal level with his place um, on the ship or something like that. So, um, I found that piece more interesting but the other stuff was like neither here nor there immaterial. i'm gonna bring up the prequels of star wars really quickly um but part of one of the things i i dislike about the element of the like the force the midi midichlorians was it was another example of them kind of like it was it's okay to have a mystery about what is the force and um have this magic around it and not necessarily answer it and once you gave this like s- sort of scientific explanation for it it just i don't know it just like it felt like it cut the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> at the knees Definitely. you know yeah yeah and so I kind of felt, when I read that about Leoben, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, oh, that's like, it's a little too plain, you know? Because um, the whole episode speaks to something greater than all of that. So I don't know who we have to blame for this.
1: I don't, I don't know. Ron Moore?
0: Maybe it was, it's was just, maybe, I uh, we'll, we'll blame the execs because they just wanted to make more money. How about that?
1: Yeah. I blame Edward <laughs> James almost for his choices directing there were a lot of boobs that did not need to be there. I do remember oh, so I that much about. That I don't play.
0: remember that at all. Oh really? Yeah, that's crazy that I I had no remember. <laughs> <laughs> I had no memory of that. That's crazy. Yeah, I just
1: remember being like, this just feels gratuitous.
0: <laughs> Maybe I have to go rewatch it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> well, your funeral. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um we come back actually to the hangar deck and uh Sharon is um kind of floating around the Cylon Raider. Mm Um kind of like she's humming to it. Yeah, she's like yeah, yeah, she's humming to it, singing like she's a little child. Like again, I think she like that's how she played the song a little bit more. And I actually again in my research I found something that's really interesting. So they said uh, she's humming a melody, um, and the melody is actually a Korean children's song. She actually, not not her Sharon, but um, Athena Sharon later with Hera is hum hums the same song to Hera. Oh, really? Yeah, this is really interesting. That's cool. Yeah, and 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 the fact that it's a Korean song is interesting, just because of you know sort of like the nature of the history of, um, humanity. Um, in a few episodes later, one of the songs I love with all my heart, um, is played. It's like an Irish or, uh, yeah, kind of like an Irish bagpipey the Adama theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, there were all these hints that I never picked up on as to the nature of when this was taking place. Um, and it all kind of comes clear once you get to the finale. But, yeah, it's like they are getting – they are pulling – a lot of our modern stuff is getting pulled from these, I guess, memories or something from the past. Even the theme song is like a um, a Hindi or uh, uh, Sanskrit uh, song. Yeah. That Adama um,
1: theme, that particular instrument, it just – is the same instrument used in a lot of the Titanic score, mm. so mm. it always reminds me a little bit of Titanic.
2: <laughs>
0: wow, that's <laughs> funny.
1: Where I'm like, probably. I mean, they're not related except it's just the same instrument, but yeah. That also. I've never seen. Wait. I've never
0: seen Titanic. What? <laughs> There's a whole weird story around that. Actually speechless.
1: That's wild. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would I would highly recommend it. I am a big fan of that movie. I've also been very fascinated by the actual Titanic sinking ever since I was a little kid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um it's really good. I don't know. I just feel like it's been 20 something years now and it might maybe there's too much like other stuff about it around that you might not enjoy it.
0: I know I probably I there I had not not watched it because I didn't think it was going to be good or anything. It's a, it's just a I'm a, I'm weird <laughs> as you know. Like I've like I don't watch trailers and I, I go extreme sometimes with certain ideas and things. And so like we'll flash back to the year nineteen ninety-seven. Actually we're gonna flash back to the year nineteen ninety-six. And I remember reading Entertainment Weekly religiously, and leading up to Titanic, like they were bashing the production. Mm-hmm. It's going over budget, it's gonna be too long, it's gonna be the biggest bomb ever. And I was just like, like James Cameron has never made like a like a bomb film, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, like give, like let's wait for it to come out, right? Yeah. And then when it and then when it came out and like people saw it, then it was like all this praise. <laughs> I just had it in my head. I was like, I'm not gonna see it because I was I was mad. <laughs> Wow. It was mad that, like, they were they were so against this movie, and then all of a sudden, it was like, they were just praising it. Like, they had never been hating on it before, and I just, I don't know why. Like, I just was like, I'm not going to see it. And then, uh, over the years, I just haven't seen it, and so, like, you know, I just it never ended up. I was going to go see it when it was in theaters. Oh, I should have. Was it a few couple years ago? But then, like, the pandemic came or something so I yeah i, didn't, I, don't I think remember it came it, out
1: so. uh it might have been in 2021 like we were into the pandemic because yeah the movie came out in 97 right mm. so 25 years would have been when last year so i think it was last year Okay. The yeah.
0: Theaters. So I just for editors, and I didn't end up. I didn't go see it in theaters. And and now I'm just like. Now I'm like. I'm like. Oh, maybe I just. I'll just gotta. That would be my claim to fame. I've never seen it. I don't know. Well,
1: that's just ridiculous. And you should see it. It would have been best to see it for the first time on the big screen, just because it really pays off seeing it on the big screen. Then the scale everyone's of it.
0: hate. Everyone hates on my girl Celine Dion because of it. Oh my god. Like, that
1: song still makes me cry every time. Every yeah. time. So I
0: just like I just like every you guys everyone hates and I'm just like, you know what? I don't wanna have any I don't want to have anything to do with this.
1: Well this isn't the Titanic podcast, but maybe I god, it would be really fun to like live pot it, like you watching it because <laughs> that's a movie that I I saw multiple times in the theater. Yeah. I actually saw it on the same day that I saw Goodwill Hunting. Oh wow. Um because they were in the theater at the same time. And I love it. And I will watch it every time I come across it on television. Uh, wherever mm-hmm. it's at, I'll just stop and watch it. I love Titanic. It's just it's just a good movie. It's a really good movie. And I would object to James Cameron not putting out bombs. While I know Avatar is very successful, those movies suck. And well, Titanic I
0: was... Yeah, I mean... I mean, I know, I know what you're saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those movies are actively bad movies. Yeah, Titanic I mean, I is know a what you're very s- good movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying because I did not like the, especially did not like the second Avatar. But I wouldn't use the word bomb. No,
1: they're not bombs. They're just bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they and I mean, it's actually impressive with the Avatar movies. And I guess Titanic, because Titanic was one of the first movies that kind of, I think, was breaking that billion-dollar barrier or whatever. That, like, he, like, James Cameron could just, like, he can make a movie and it just makes all the money. Like, it's crazy. And, like, Avatar made, like, it made, like, a billion dollars and it was, like, a, it wasn't, like you know part 10 like uh, Avengers Endgame or Infinity War you know and that to me that's impressive even if you don't like the movie you know sure Um, well in that first one
1: at least in the theater I saw it in 3D it's one of the it is actually the only movie in 3D no no that's not true I enjoyed Gravity in 3D as well if it's filmed in 3D Mm -hmm. I like to see it in 3D but Mm -hmm. um, I never liked the story the yeah like it, visually it, it was it was impressive and then the story was just like oh okay you told fern gully in a different way um yeah whatever i don't want to talk about avatar anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely cutting this i
1: won't stop i want to talk about sharon saying i'm a cylon
0: <laughs> yeah so sharon <laughs> is like hey <laughs> Sharon is like, "Hey, uh, did you try that stuff I told you about before? Did that work?" So like it's like this awkward like uh like I'm looking for reasons to talk to my ex-boyfriend. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and so did you, you know, tr- treating it, were you were you treating it like an animal or whatever? And uh he kind of acknowledges, "Yeah, we tried that and it worked." Um, and then she was. She, she kind of just, like, abruptly is like, I'm a Cylon. Well,
1: he said, how did you come up with that? Oh, yeah, how did you come up with that? Oh, yeah, she, up with and that? she says, I'm a Cylon. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, don't just... even joke about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, come on, Chief. Oh, man. It's such, it's such, he's in such denial. Yeah. Hmm. And then
1: she says, um, if I could prove that I wasn't, would it make a difference? And he doesn't answer her.
0: Yeah. It felt like it was like a challenge but to him about the nature of their relationship. But then at the same time, she doubted the truth herself. So,
1: And that's also you know. not why he broke up with her. And I think that that's, that's the thing with, you know, maybe it would make a difference if that was why. But that's mm-hmm. not why. He broke up with her because their relationship was actually hurting people who were trying to protect them
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and that that's not worth it somebody you know being at this point indefinitely put in the brig is not worth us sneaking around we were told to break this off we need to break it off
0: and he was actively in denial about her being and
1: he's in denial about her being a cylon but he has no reason well he has reasons to think she could be he
0: has Plenty of reasons. Yeah. He he's doing that, what do you call it? Like the cognitive he has a lot of cognitive dissonance yeah. <laughs> around that. Like, you know? It's like he could see it with his own two eyes, but his brain just will not let it just won't process. He just will not let himself um believe it. Just like when I um went to Comic Con and um they told me that they were sold out for tickets for Saturday. <laughs> um and that had never ever been sold out before, my brain just could not process what are you saying to me right now you know (laughs) i suppose that
1: it's kind of like if somebody comes to you and says we think your partner is a terrorist you would be like what no
0: yeah no yeah uh you well the way you said it makes me sound more fair i'm trying to like condemn the guy but yeah (laughs) You, what you said makes sense. Even if someone says, like, your partner's cheating on you or whatever. Yeah. Like, you you, know, you wouldn't necessarily just be like, yeah, you're right. Like, there's, there would be a whole process. Right.
1: Of, and that process would yeah. include putting all the pieces together that have been laid out in front of you, which Chief is not doing. And that's where his, mm-hmm. like, you know, willful ignorance or his just inability or unwillingness to accept the truth or what could be a truth he doesn't want to investigate it because if it's true that that's too much
0: and to be fair sharon is seducing men on two different uh, (laughs) (laughs) planets. do you think that
1: her seduce or her being in a relationship with chief was part of their like programming for her because i don't yeah, I think out. her programming think so. was to be a part of the crew, to be uh, you know valued, and then mm. to kill the commander. And I don't know how long this this program was supposed to run. If they maybe maybe it was supposed to go off instantly when they attacked the colonies, then her like the switch was supposed to flip. I don't know.
0: I mean, and just in a practical. Uh, from a practical level, like, they wouldn't have known the Galactica would have been the one ship to survive. So they they would have had agents, like, they do. They show you on Pegasus. There's agents on lots of different ships, and maybe those are just contingencies mm-hmm. for anyone that escapes um, that initial assault. So she, like, they, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't think that she, like, the plan was to fall in love with Tyrol. Yeah. Like, as as her programming says, anyways, like her. But, nevertheless, that's what she does. Yep. With two men. <laughs>
2: She's, it's not
1: the same Sharon with two men.
0: With <laughs> <But> two men. <laughs> it's just who she is. I mean, I here I am, on Earth, 100,000 years later, falling for her, so
1: she's she's uh, very pretty and plays sweet very well
0: yeah i'm trying i'm trying not to make it too creepy but i just uh, <laughs> i can't i can't also can't deny how i feel um
1: look We'll have time to balance the scales when Anders shows up. trust me, yeah, I was
0: I was just about to say, like <laughs> when Anders shows up, I'm like, I'm like, all the weight's gonna be off of me, and I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go on and on and on, and I'll just go, uh-huh.
1: I won't. I won't go on and on, but you know, I'm sure there will be many times where I'm like, he's so handsome I mean, he is a
0: good looking man, yeah, like he he definitely is a good looking man. So.
1: <laughs> all right, so we are on the, <laughs> the Gemon Traveler. <laughs>
0: We're on the gym, not traveling. So, uh,
1: I think this is the first time she sees a humanoid Cylon, too.
0: Um, yeah. Because she's you're right.
1: observing him, and she's like, they really do look, he really does look like a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have the whole commentary on it, it's sweating. And that's such, like, she's so fascinated by that. Yeah. Um, uh, she, the fact that they sweat, she says, now that's interesting. Yeah, she's like a, you know, she's an expert pilot. She's a sniper. Now she's an expert interrogator. She.
1: she Look, she's just a multi-talented person. She
0: reminds me of this video I saw a year or two ago that was like, it was about Idris Elba. <laughs> Idris Elba. <laughs> I'm a chef. I'm a DJ. I'm a <laughs> oh my
1: God. That was so funny.
0: I'm a doctor. I'm a. <laughs> oh man.
1: I mean, some people are just good at a lot of things. Yeah,
0: no. I mean, it's like, at least with this, it's through circumstance and stuff. I actually, I'm only bringing it up because it kind of makes me laugh, but I don't care. It's like, it's just... uh...
1: I think Adama chose her not only because she's sort of sidelined from flying right now, but because... (sighs) Lee... I don't think he could trust Lee (laughs) to not... uh, Not necessarily turn on the side of the Cylons but (laughs) after what happened with Zarek I just don't think that Adama was gonna send Lee to do this oh my
0: god yeah like if Lee had gone like they would have had like formed an alliance Uh... there'd
1: be Cylon rights happening like as soon as he leaves the interrogation
2: room
0: oh man
1: not that that's wrong but you're gonna give the Cylons points (laughs) <laughs> Kara's gonna go in there and be sort of like, let's fuck this guy up. Yeah. Like the willing to. Yeah. Where Lee would never be willing to.
0: Yeah, I mean you're right. He like in the you know, and it comes up a few episodes later when she um is she's in charge of the military operation. It's like her just he can count on her to think outside of the bounds of like what mm-hmm. normally you should do, and I, that's an asset to her, even if it can, even if it creates chaos um, sometimes. Um, as they're figuring, <laughs> figuring things out. Yeah,
1: I mean, Lee really should have been a lawyer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might have been if if Adama was a better father.
1: Wow. shots fired. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's just, it's all, it's all coming around. <laughs> so when she when a when Starbuck enters the room, um, you know, Leoben's sitting there on the table, and it looks like he's asleep. And, you know, she asks him, are you sleeping? And he you know, kind of pops up and says, no, I'm praying. It's kind of interesting. You know, we, we, de- we definitely see where that goes a little bit later. Um, they start going into questions, and there's um, Starbuck, you know, asks him how many Cylons are in the fleet. He says he wouldn't know. Um, what was he doing aboard Gemini traveler that question gets answered in the plan, but we're gonna ignore that um it's nothing fantastic he just they i think it said that um once uh, was it a few episodes later or was it sixty degrees of separation when they announced to the fleet that or was it a few yeah. episodes? but anyways and they showed oh, no it was it was it was the one before it when they it was showed litmus yeah and litmus when they showed the fleet. that Leoben and Dural were Cylons. I guess they just, they were discovered. That's how they were, that's how he was discovered. And he went and hid in a little compartment. And so that's where he's found. Anyway, so um, he spends a lot of time, you know, evading questions. And he adds later that his mission was to sabotage. Um, Mm -hmm. But he starts to switch uh, the subject to like, like, the room's hot or something like that. He's a, he's very shifty and, and crafty. And um, so Kara's about to leave the room. And then on her way through the door, Leoben like, he started... He, a little bit before this, he starts pressing her, like, who are you? What's your name? And, you know, she doesn't really answer. But then he's he asks her, like, are you Starbuck? And immediately she... You know, she's like, how would you know that? Turns around, goes back to the table. It's like once that's confirmed for him, all of this mystical stuff that he has in mind that we think I think that he has in mind really starts to spiral because he gets a little bit more confident about like the subject matter that he wants to talk about.
1: Well, he also tells her that there's a warhead aboard one of their ships and it's going to go off at 1830 hours yeah but he won't tell her where she thinks he's lying and he's like yeah well you can't take that chance like you're in the military and you have to take that to your bosses and let them decide what to do with it
0: mm-hmm. i wrote this is going to be fun
1: <laughs> well he does say that <laughs> yeah she, yeah she says that she actually. says
0: that yeah Back on Galactica, they start doing uh, like radio. Uh, uh, Commander Adama orders like radiological scans of of all of the ships in the fleet and Galactica to kind of you know try to find where this uh, uh, warhead might be. Meanwhile, uh, Starbuck goes back to the interrogation. Um, Leoben. Like refuses to say where the warhead in, and he like starts to shift the conversation into one about um, her religion. And he asks her, you know, do you believe in the gods? And he makes a statement that says like his faith is in the one true God, Um, and that allows him to see the future.
1: I wrote this all down. Mm-hmm. To know the face of God is to know madness. I see the universe. I see the patterns. I see the foreshadowing that precedes every moment of every day. It's all there. I see it and you don't. And I have a surprise for you. I have something to tell you about the future.
0: The line about to know the face of God is to know madness. This is this is actually skipping a little bit to when we meet number one. But I, f- mm-hmm. I have this sort of like personality profile for Leoban where – You know, I think I said it before, I kind of like view in the pantheon of Cylons, I kind of view him as, as like the, he's like a burnout older uncle that, that like, that like, uh, I think like he, it's like he was kind of, he was kind of on program and then he went on a retreat and did some shrooms and it like kind of fried his brain and broke it in half. And he started to just kind of see beyond You know, so he can have, he has like a, you know, he has a little bit more of a, a lot bit more of a mystical sense of things. Right. Um, but, um, number one is pretty adherent to this, all of these ideas about like, you know, the one true God and stuff. And I find it interesting that he appears as a priest Mm -hmm. and that line to know the face of God is to know madness like really struck me because I was like, well, I mean, it could be true for both of them, I think, but like for number one, it drove him to like this madness of like where it was like he wanted to burn the system down, which is, uh, from, from whence he came, I think. Um, and Leoben is more of like, um, you know, a mystic seeker from like kind of getting close to seeing what the nature of the face of God is. So,
1: Well, number one also doesn't want any of them to learn anything. Mm -hmm. He's the one who stops Deanna once she sees the faces of the final five. Mm -hmm. He boxes her. Yeah, Like, he doesn't... He wants all the control. Mm -hmm. I don't think of him so much... uh, I mean, he says, like, he... You know, what we believe is this one true God, but whatever. I don't care. I don't believe it. But that's because he's already done all of his seeking of the truth, and he knows... More than the others do. I think he might even know who the final five are. I haven't yeah, gotten that far. I, I think read, he does. Watch, but yeah. I think he knows who they are. Yeah. I think he's the one who killed one of them. Yeah. And um, he doesn't want anybody else to have the same knowledge that he has. So he's continually trying to keep them down and keep them stuck in these like particular boxes that they have been programmed to be like the whole thing i was talking about with you know sharon being like always searching for love and six sort of being built for sex and then you've got leobin who's very mystical and simon who's very scientific doral i don't know what his purpose is but you know like they all have their sort of thing anytime they try to break out of that he wants them destroyed
0: yeah, I think Daryl's like, the good son. I think he's the one that does everything that he's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. he just
1: follows orders. Yeah, you know, Deanna is a, a question asker. She, we first meet her, which you know we will next season, as a reporter. She asks a lot of questions. She wants to find answers to things, and when she when she searches for something that he doesn't want other people to know, the other silence to know, he boxes her entire line.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, what you said about control. I mean, he, he's the one that plants all of the final five throughout the fleet, sort of like, sort of like punishment, I believe if I remember correctly. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like Leoben, it's like, I feel like he, again, it has this whole vibe of like, you know, he, maybe he's, he was like in line at first, but he was really trying to, like, he did some shrooms, maybe Kamala extract or something, and then he starts to see the, whatever, the Bond's there they're bonds beyond what these rules are that like we all think about and he really starts to contemplate those and he goes on this quest of to find that and he like but he does it within the context of being one of the Cylons, but you as we see like a little bit later, it's like when you know New Caprica especially, it's like they've got their like the Cylons have their program and he's like takes care aside and he wants to like He still has this job of trying to guide her to this destiny that he foresees for her. But when he gets to this certain point, he is disillusioned as well at the end of his story. So it's like I don't know that he actually knows himself for certain what the nature of things are. He's seeking as well, which is why I kind of see him as like a, you know, a hippie New Age Burnout, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think there's some interesting stuff in this scene, uh, so that we as an audience, but also like the humans as characters, like learn more about the Cylons because she's eating food and she's just like, "God, this is worse than on Galactica," and he's like, "Can I have it? I'm starving," and she's just like. that's bad programming like Mm -hmm. why why are you hungry and he says it's part of being human and she's like but you're not human then she like hits him with a weapon with like the back of her gun and asks if it hurt and he's like yeah it hurts and she's like but it shouldn't Mm -hmm. like why why do you bleed? why are you sweating like because she's just thinking of them as machines Mm -hmm. but they they were created to be like a better version of the humans like there were there were things about being human that are worth aspiring to and when they were just these metal centurions that wasn't enough so now they have all this stuff that we have mm-hmm. feelings and flesh and bones and you know it's not you open them up and it's a bunch of wires it's organs like they're practically the same mm-hmm. the one difference is that they can when they die they can download into an exact copy of their body and re- retain their memories which honestly whomst among us <laughs> would not want that
0: there there's a there is another difference uh when they have sex their backs light up red <laughs>
1: <And> sometimes <laughs> yeah only <Doesn't>, sometimes <laughs> not sure if it happens every time
0: um yeah and I, that that I mean they call it the resurrection ship but it, that whole concept is around like reincarnation right And it's taken to like yeah. a, in a scientific a scientific fashion there was a uh, this concept was i mean i'm sure it's been explored in other um stories long before but there is actually um superman comic it was i think it was called krypton in the late 80s and there there was this whole thing about clones. Um, and, you know, when you, like, got hurt or whatever, you could just use body parts of these clones in storage to, like, heal you or remake you or put yourself in a new body. And um, so, yeah, it's like it's definitely contemplating that. Um, but in this case... The clones or whatever are all machine, like they're all derived from machines. So we're like we're still kind of figuring out like what's the point of this, I, or at least Kara is trying to figure out what's the point of all of this. Which again, I, that's the real plan, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. not the one that came on a DVD years later. <laughs> but yeah, just exploring like why. Why are we here basically?
1: Yeah. What does it mean to be human?
0: So yeah, there's a there's a, a big you know, there's like a big power struggle happening between the two of uh between Leobin and, and Starbuck, I think, going back and forth um with a lot of those questions. We you know, we end up jumping over to um Baltar's lab he's um having some like as he's working, having some um quality time with uh head six. And then uh Miss Sharon Valeri enters um <laughs> immediately six so it kinda goes back to what you said about like you kinda mentioned like she gets really catty with uh yeah. with Sharon and you know she immediately I mean she says, "Look what the look what the cat dragged in." <laughs>
1: she's she's very she's just so quick to jealousy when Baltar is like, "Oh, you look wonderful." Yeah, the look that Six gives him is like if she were able to rip his head
0: off, she probably mm-hmm. would. Yeah, she she might who knows? Just because she lifts him up in the air, like <laughs> season four, remember that? Anyways, uh, yeah. So she basically wants his help uh she wants to know if she's a Cylon um and she wants to use his Cylon detector and he he you know he's being charmingly evasive about it like I don't like what are you talking about there's no Cylon detector he's being really cute and very dismissive um meanwhile um Head Six is like dropping her little, um, you know, commentary in his head. And sometimes he answers back with what she says. Sometimes he avoids, um, you know, kind of goes down other paths um, with what she's saying. But then she she basically like buckles down on him and, and kind of corners him. And she gets angry with him and she says, you know, I saved your life on Caprica and you know, Hilo gave up his seat for you, so you owe me, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very, like, I mean, she's very adamant and angry. So it was, it's not a kind, soft <laughs> Sharon. And I just, I think that's just interesting, just because. Again, we know, we know she's a Cylon, but the innocent part of her is distraught about it, right? So it's very. She's like very. It's very complex and conflicted. You know, mm-hmm. anyways, head six basically tells him to, to do it. And he says, mm-hmm. he says, yes, he, and he, you know, he says, I, I, I do need a beta test subject. So yes, I'll basically, I'll do that. Um, in that, in the course of that conversation also, he, um, she, uh, head six asks, uh, like, I wonder why they call her boomer. And, yeah. and then he says that to her a little bit after that like why do they call you boomer they don't discuss it but it'll be something that comes up a little bit later in the episode we cut right to caprica back to caprica um and we have uh sharon and Hilo waking up from their night of hot love the night before <laughs> Say it like that. I only said it like that because of a line that comes up a little bit later, (laughs) which I had definitely have to say because it's so funny. Um, (laughs) She goes off, um, and then Dural and Six are waiting for her for a little rendezvous. The scene is at this little like a park set, and they're like on some swings or something. Um, She's late. They're grumpy. Um, she enters and she says, I had sex. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Doral's like, congratulations.
1: <laughs> you're skipping over something kind of important. Go ahead. When she's late, Six calls her Sharon, and Doral's mm. like, oh, so mm-hmm. you're calling her Sharon now? And she's like, yeah, well, I think of her as one of them. Yeah. And he says, because you dislike her? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, she acts like one of them. She thinks like one of them. Yeah. She is one of them.
2: Yeah.
1: And then he's like, "Yeah, but she's one of us. So try to remember that." He's then, wrong. Then Boomer arrives. Yeah. <laughs> he is, as we learn in this scene alone.
0: Yeah. It and it definitely sets up what happens, or at least how we can interpret the the back end of this scene. Mm-hmm. They are pressing her with questions. Does uh, did he say he loved you? Um I wrote <laughs> I wrote, Girl, Hilo doesn't have anxious attachment. <laughs> he's he's so secure, he's not gonna say I love you right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like slow your roll. Anyways, um Dural says that he has a cabin set up for them um so that they can like live there. He was it if he doesn't say he loved her, basically uh, or if they, their little experiment doesn't work out, um, they want her to kill him. And
1: yeah, yeah, they want like we want you to go stay in this cabin, it's got everything you need all the comforts, food, water, electricity. And Caprica six, or it's not Caprica six, but six is like it shouldn't be too hard to convince him to stay and start a, light, a life together. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then kill him.
0: Yeah,
1: Sharon's just not. On board with that.
0: Yeah. And she and she confronts, kind of with verbally confronts Sharon. It's like, you know, you think you can handle that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Sharon is, uh-huh. Yeah. We, we know she's not.
1: And we get all these flashbacks while she's running back to Hilo. She's thinking about everything they've experienced on yeah. Caprica. And so when she finds them, she's like, we have to go. I saw some Cylons. We, we have to travel faster than before. And he's like, what's going on? Why, why is this different? And she's like, everything is different. Just trust me.
0: Yeah. It's like in that, in that scene, it's like, she's running away physically from them. Cause she kind of like has to run whatever. But, and I think a lot of it's the way that the music is playing. And then the flashback, she's like, it's like, she's running from herself. Mm-hmm. She's running from Cylons. But it's interesting because, like, you know, when she gets there, the urgency that she has, like, I saw science, we got to get out of here. Yeah, you're definitely like, okay, this person's turning. And I remember my, when, you know, when first watching it, obviously, you kind of, like, think this is like, you know, this Sharon has evil intentions. But I'm starting to, like, you know, obviously, she was turning. But back then, when that wasn't a concept in my head that she would be turning and I didn't really foresee where this relationship would go. You know, I started to be like, Oh, like, well, okay, they actually, uh, she actually might be on the side of quote unquote good. I don't want to use that term because I think it's more complicated than that. But yeah. Uh,
1: I think the question that should have been asked wasn't, does he love you? It was, do you love him?
0: I mean, that's, that is, that is a great question.
1: <laughs> if they had asked her, "Do you love him?" Yeah. It would have been harder for her to basically stay in character. Mm-hmm. She can lie or or, you know, at least sort of tell the truth like, "Does he love you?" "I think so." You think, but you don't know. But if they'd said, "Do you love him?" That changes everything because she the fact that she does love him is what makes her make this decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, I think that's a good question to ask. If You're trying to suss out her loyalties, and that wasn't r- their primary case at the moment. It wasn't. It literally but- was just like, because I think that they were trying to, like, again, like, you know, the magic of, uh, in their little experiment of creating a child, they, I for some reason, they believed that love was the integral part of that. I think.
1: And maybe they're not wrong about that, but they're not thinking about whether Sharon loves him. They just think it requires him to love her. Mm -hmm. But maybe Hira would not have been conceived if both of them didn't love each other. Yeah, Because Six was out there having sex with Baltar all the time and didn't get pregnant. Because he didn't love her. She loved him. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But he didn't love her. And then you've got... Different kind of Cylon, but Chief and Callie have a kid later.
0: Yeah, well, actually, that they they explained that actually. It was hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Oh, oh, hot dogs.
2: I forgot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because that was a big question when he, like, when he gets revealed it was like i remember like going into like the hiatus or whatever like how could he have a kid like oh no there's two cylon kids and then it was kind of like a throw throwaway sequence uh where he like it was like it turned out that he was hot dog was the dad because he i don't know they had hooked up at some point
1: hot dog indeed yeah um Well, then my theory stands. The reason the Hera was conceived is because there's love on both sides. Yeah, I mean— We're going to go with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, two two things can be true, right? So, and, you know, and again, we know, like, so we know that we find out much later that, you know, the Cylons on Earth, uh, the—I don't know. I never know whether to call it real Earth or fake Earth, but, like, the Earth that they were looking for initially— Like they,
1: the the irradiated one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those Cylons knew how to, like, they coupled and had kids, and it wasn't. So they they were effectively humans, right? And so these these current Cylons are trying to like figure out how to recreate life. So that's their experiment, their plan. They're like, how do we? We've created all of this uh, resurrection stuff, but how do we like? Make life how the humans do in their search to be more human, right? Mm -hmm. Like their creators. So yeah, and they for for whatever reason they maybe think that love is the is the answer. I know plenty of people that have kids that didn't love their mates, so (laughs) not really sure about that.
1: Unfortunately, that is not a factor in (laughs) human procreation. If it were. Our population wouldn't be quite so overblown, and maybe we wouldn't be having like fights about abortion and whatever, because it would require you both to love each other
0: in order to have this happen. Yeah, I wonder how many. Like, I wonder what the population <laughs> would actually be if that were the case.
1: Pretty small. <laughs> it's a pretty. I think. It
0: would be a pretty good test. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you? Most really of love us me?
1: would not be here.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> All the kids that were born in September, October definitely would be um love babies because I was right around Valentine's Day.
2: <laughs> actually
1: it would be November.
0: It'd be November, yeah. Like October, November. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because my birthday's in November and people are like, Oh, you were conceived on Valentine's Day. And I'm like, No, <laughs> actually I was I was three months early. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely was not. Wow, three
0: months early? That's
2: wild.
1: Yeah. My yeah, my mom was twenty nine weeks pregnant when she had me. Wow, I was I'm a miracle, is what I'm saying. You are a miracle. (laughs) You are. Yeah, I was really small, three pounds. I was in an incubator for six weeks. Ooh,
0: that's you know, human life is so fascinating. Like it can be so fragile. (laughs) Like I'm I'm serious. Like it's like that's like the the difference between a few weeks. Towards the yep. end when a baby is born, that just, like, it blows my mind every time I really think about it. So maybe, maybe there does need to be love. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Generally, when a baby is as early as I was, their lungs aren't formed, mm-hmm. like, fully formed. Mm-hmm. But mine were. So they. I didn't have to be, like, hooked up on a ventilator or anything because I could breathe just fine. Mm-hmm. I was just really tiny.
0: Mm. Wow. So amazing. Um. Wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Those crazy kids, Hilo, Hilo, Hilo and Sharon, they run away. Um, back on Gemini uh, Geminon Traveler, um, we're back to questioning, where's the nuke? Leobin is, you know, resisting getting beaten. <laughs> and then the, again, the whole religious philosophy concept comes up he you know states i am god we are all god and he gives this idea of like love binds us all which is Mm -hmm. fascinating coming from like a cylon right Um, well and that's
1: basically what she says like you don't even know what that means yeah
0: and and you know just in the context of like him mixing the truth and lies which is confirmed at the end that that's what he does by him telling Rosalind. Adama's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. But then he seems very like, you know, like he re- like he, re- he really believes this. Like that's what he got on his meditation retreat. <laughs> that's the, that's the truth. But also because of what we're, we were just talking about with like love is that element of uh, mm-hmm. being able to, to procreate. And, and I do like, I do this, that I, that idea of love permeates um everything about our human experience and it's not just like necessarily romantic love but that um, that impulse that we have to protect connect to build destroy comes from that idea of love I have a video about that coming out soon I'll let you guys know when that happens uh, <laughs> actually um but yeah it's uh, they really get into like a deep, philosophical um, conversations about that. Um, She, you know, she pushes back a lot about, you know, you're not human. She brings up a lot of ideas. Like, you know, she like tells him that he can't feel love or understand love. God did not create the Cylons. Um, And you guys are responsible for the genocide of mankind. Because he, he basically earlier, a little bit earlier, says that, um like, the Cylons were created by God because of human sins. And she's like, dude, you guys are the ultimate sinners. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. She also says God didn't create you. We did.
0: Yeah. She's like, you slaughtered us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, You are evil. You know? It's actually fun. I mean, you know, the, this episode with these conversations like she's so adamant on in my view she's so adamant on proving that he's not human that she kind of proves that he's human (laughs) and um just through their responses and the way that he um like the things that he illuminates for her and he basically kind of turns her toward the end as well because of that stuff like through this process she starts to see that yeah there there's something more to him than just like a a robot which is how they've been treating him or all Cylons initially yeah he he actually is like kind of interesting I I forget exactly the um the exact context but there's this line about rivers and streams (laughs) coming up and she, uh, like, I think when he's talking about, like, life and, you know, circle of life type stuff, and life is like rivers and streams and time and stuff, that comes up a little bit later just <laughs> in terms of some water that's being used to torture him. <laughs> well,
1: she she says, like, you've got a real thing about rivers and streams. We yeah. should indulge you in your obsession.
0: Yeah. And she, sort she,
1: of nods to the guard.
0: Yeah. Sends him out. And then he, while there are two of them are sitting there, he uh, tells her that he like if he really wanted to, he could, you know, break out of these bonds, knock this table over, and rip. I think he says he you rip your head out of your. Um, he
1: could rip her skull from skull her,
0: her spine, Yeah, before in the time less in less time that it took to say this <laughs> to her, and you know, she's like, yeah, whatever, buddy. And he, she's like, why don't you? And he's like, it's not the time.
1: Well, he does break the chains and throw the table and throw her up against a wall
2: by right. her neck.
0: Right, yeah. He says, it's not the time. And then I guess he meant like literally now because five seconds later he does it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, as he's holding her against the wall by her throat, he says, it's not the time. I have a surprise for you. Mm, okay. And then he l- lets her go.
0: All right. I missed that And they one. come
1: back in and he, they like tie him back up.
0: And, yeah, so now the gloves are off. You done messed up, buddy. It's the mm-hmm. note that I wrote. Um, is it back on back in Galactica, Adama is in whatever the Galactica morgue is. <laughs> and um, he pulls I have out. a
1: question about this. Yeah. Where did this Leobin come from?
0: I think it was the one on Ragnar. I just assumed I that thought they... they just
1: left him there to die.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just assumed that somehow they took him. I don't they they don't necessarily show them leaving them right and i know that the marines were a part of a detail later they talk about the marines being present and and knowing what happened and that's how the rumors started to spread so i just assume that they took the body back okay but yeah he pulls the body out he's kind of examining it he looks at it in all dramatic like it's like no you know <laughs> to <laughs> To to Leoben, like you're not—he's basically like you're not gonna win this little this little fight this war. Um, He gets on the comm with Ty, and he uh, like gonna ask how much time's left. And they have a couple hours. He tells Ty to spread the fleet apart, and it's like no less than 500 clicks. And I don't know how many how much distance clicks are, but. so it leaves the fleet in a weakened defensive position because they're they're kind of spread out a little bit further. Um, so when we go back to the interrogation and the Marines return with a big bucket of water, um, they've been getting waterboarding him basically and torturing him. Again, I keep I keep coming back to this like every episode since Water. I just find it fascinating now. <laughs> <laughs> how much water's used as a motif and it's interesting to me how in that episode water was associated with giving them life but now it's actually being used to it's like you know basically threaten him with death mm-hmm. and it's sort of like philosophically speaking again it kind of proves his point about humanity committing sins and discussion that Adama talks about in the miniseries, like, are we worthy to even survive? So there's this thing that they fought tooth and nail to get so that they could stay alive. But then they're also, when it's convenient to them now, they're like, I'm going to like basically kill this guy with the same fluid. And it's kind of like, what does that say about us? You know?
1: Yeah. I think that this comes out of, um, Ron Moore said that they had a lot more, like, really graphic torture planned, mm-hmm. and they just kept sort of scaling it back because it was a bit too much. They wanted it to be, according to him, um, hard-hitting without being seen as offensive, exploitative, or gratuitous. hmm so in the early drafts, they went further with the torture scenes, but they toned it down for various reasons. Um, in one draft, he was hooked up to electrodes like they do in a lot of shows. But he, Ron Moore decided that they weren't going to do any fancy torture techniques because the show doesn't do a lot of high-tech stuff. Mm-hmm. The heart of the episode wasn't really about the method of torture. It was about one of the show's most tough ass characters developing a little empathy towards the enemy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think dunking his head in a bucket, because we can't even really call this waterboarding. Yeah. It's it's just attempted drowning. Yeah. Um I did think like, man, you guys just went through a lot to get water not that long ago, and here you are wasting all this water by trying to drown this guy over and over again, but you mm-hmm. have to work with what you have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, I, I kind of understood that. Yeah. The dunking is, I mean, it's straightforward. It's very visceral. It's like probably, probably better than, um, you know, it's like, it's something we can all kind of understand. Um, but yeah, it's like that idea. It's just that idea. Like, if we, oh yeah, here, here's this thing that we like, if we don't have this thing, we're going to die. Then they get it. And they're like, let's use this to kill this guy. <laughs> Not necessarily kill them, but you know, get the truth out. But like, it's the threat of death that mm-hmm. they use to try to get this information. I, I just, I find that fascinating because <laughs> it's, a, it's, again, it's one of those things about humanity. It's like you know, like how, how much do you believe in what you claim to believe in, you know? And it's it right. constantly gets tested um, as they, as we go along, as they go along.
1: We see it every day where people are, you
0: know, screaming
1: about something like abortion being, you know, killing children, but we're perfectly fine to sit back and shrug our shoulders when children are actually killed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like your hypocrisy makes no, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You can't say that all life is important. All life is precious, but then be okay with this type of dying.
0: Yeah. And it gets, and it, in and... You know, I think ahead to that episode about abortion and this, um, Mm -hmm. show where they, they, they have that conversation themselves and they come, they come to a conclusion that kind of goes against like the general belief because they were like, they were like, yeah, on a practical level, we need to halt this practice. Um, and it's not as clean as that because obviously, um, it's sort of like, it creates a black market, so to speak (laughs) of, uh. Of uh, abortions that still can take place and they whisk away, I think, yeah, they whisk away Maya was her name, right?
1: Um, um, No, that wasn't Maya that had the abortion. Maya's the one who ends up with Hera. She
0: had, well, she, she was, wasn't she initially pregnant and then she wanted, she wanted a baby still and they gave it to her? And that's how they could trick people into thinking that she was still pregnant? I think, I don't know if I'm thinking of that correctly.
1: I don't think it's the same person but I'll have to I've watched past those episodes mm-hmm. um there's a reason they gave Hera to her yeah um but I don't think it was that Cause she was Gemini and and it was against her religion to yeah. so have an abortion, but she did not want to have a baby.
0: Yeah, I I just felt like it was because she lost her baby. It wasn't that she got an abortion, I, but she lost it. Yeah, and that's no, why I think they...
1: Maya. Yeah, Maya, yeah. I believe lost her baby.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the one who the woman who had the abortion that sparked, and we'll talk about that very soon. It's in this season. Yeah. Um, that's a different woman.
2: Yeah. Uh, There's
1: a lot of talk in here in in between all of this drowning about whether or not he's alive um whether you know what he's just speaking from his programming Starbuck thinks that he's been programmed with a fairy tale of God and life ever after but She thinks that somewhere in his brain, there's an error message saying that he doesn't have a soul, and if he dies, he's gone. And that's when he starts talking about how he knows about her mom, Mm -hmm. that she was born to a woman who believes that suffering was good for the soul, so you suffered. Life is a testament to pain, injuries, accidents, some inflicted upon others, some inflicted upon yourself, surrounds you like a bubble. But it's not real. It's just something that she put in your head. I wrote down all of this stuff because I feel like it's so astute about Starbuck. And we don't know that much. We know some about her. But we don't know, any, know anything about her, like, family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the idea that she's been told since she was a little girl that, that she's not good enough. Mm-hmm it sort of helps understand why she is the way that she is, why she can be so good at so many things and then sabotage herself over and over again.
0: Yeah. Well, the part when he says like you hear the voice every day that you're like, basically you're a demon and you, yeah. and you want it to be right. Like that hit me right in like my own, <laughs> Yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's so again, it's, something we a lot of us struggle with and it's Mm -hmm. so relatable but that idea that she wants to be right about these bad things that she has been told and kind of believes is like you said is why she's constantly constantly sabotaging any kind of successes that she might have or um writing happiness she continues to do it
1: yeah yeah over and over again she's like i mean i don't know why anybody puts up with her
0: i mean in a lot of ways they kind of don't <laughs> you know like in a yeah. lot of ways they don't like she's she is pretty distant um partly by her design but also partly um just like by the way she like ends up moving through the 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 plot and the story she, um even at like her, her one major relationship, Anders, is like, I mean, they're not, they're together, but they're not, you know.
1: She keeps leaving him.
0: Yeah. This is this is and, when you and then going back to him. This is when you uh, say Anders is so hot.
1: Anders is so hot. <laughs> Michael Truco, great
2: teeth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so oh <tall>. man. Um. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know, uh, you know liven is that whole thing about um you know he, he i think this is right where they where they talk about it um like starbucks basically like you're afraid to die basically like quote unquote die it's like not dying but because you're too far away from well, she whatever. brings it up later okay yeah i mean it's I like it's,
1: it's- I was just going to say I think it's after the scene with Baltar and Boomer.
0: Oh, okay. Um but yeah, he 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 de- he definitely says he doesn't care if he dies or not. And I think right after this there's a shot they have that shot of him like drowning in the bucket. Um mm-hmm. and I just again, it was interesting to me to note how they did that scene because he almost has like a he has a smile or a sense of peace. And it's kind of like, how do I interpret that? Like, on the surface, it, right after he says he doesn't feel like dying or he doesn't care if he dies, it, it almost feels like he's, like, okay with what happens next. But then I'm like, is he satisfied that he's manipulated her enough with enough lies to plant seeds of uh, discord in the fleet? Like, it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, next we have a scene um, back with, uh, in Baltar's lab with the Cylon detector. Um, and while they're waiting for the results of the test, he starts asking, um, you know, that conversation about, like, where are you from, your name, and that kind of stuff. Um, Boomer tells him that, like, her, she's from—actually, oh, he asks her if she's from Aralon, because he can, he says he recognizes a hint of an accent— and she says, no, I'm from Troy, which was a uh, mining colony. And um, she goes into the story about how that mining colony was destroyed um, and her family was killed in it. Um, so she's basically been an orphan for quite a while. She's a refugee.
1: According to the show Bible, the rest of that backstory that was planted on her is that she was on her way to the colonial to colonial training, mm-hmm. like she left because she joined up with the army or marines or whatever they are, and so she had left the same day that the accident happened. She was on a flight to Caprica there, to start her training.
0: Yeah, there's there are some other spots where they. Okay, I, I'm not sure I go you know, we can we can blame it on her saboteur programming, but there's I think there's some other spots where she actually um like she says that her mother gave her like some kind of gift or award that would have had this would have had taken place after that. I think she they said she was talking to Boxy about it a little bit earlier. And um, there's another instance that kind of like so it might be like a continuity error or it just could be she's shifty, shifty Sharon. That rhymes. Shifty Sharon.
1: It doesn't rhyme. It's alliterate. <laughs> yeah, illiter-
0: <laughs> alliteration. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> so this is where we find out that the silent detector works.
0: Yes. <laughs> he, uh, it's green. <laughs> or actually, it came up red right it was all. yeah it red. was all red and yeah
1: six is like hmm what are you going to do yeah
0: she makes a really i mean she actually makes a really great point and she, it, it's such a great point because we literally just saw leobin basically threaten to do what sharon could do if baltar tells sharon that she failed the test
1: yeah, six is like well, I'm guessing if you tell her this, she will her Cylon side will kick in and she will snap your neck.
0: Yeah, and it, very valid. We like, we just saw that this is a real possibility, um, but because Baltar is who Baltar is, it's like that self-preservation kicked in mm-hmm. times a, times a million. But it's like a self-serving preservation because he literally could have just like his intention if he was on the side of quote-unquote good would have been like i'm gonna say that she's a silent and then report this later behind the scenes to adam or whatever but he's he's baltar so he, it's almost like oh i have this information i'm gonna keep it in my back pocket for now um and he tells her he he's hitting the keyboard or whatever and he changes it to green and he's like it's green it's green it's very green
1: very bright green you're
0: very bright green <laughs>
1: i like he says you're hundred percent human and very very bright green as well yeah <laughs> like...
0: you couldn't be more human <laughs> <laughs> uh and yeah. you know and sharon and, and again like sharon is she's actually like so relieved right mm-hmm. like which is again like it, it's it's so complex for her like she literally like really is not wanting to be a Cylon, so she gets this information that it's a lie, but she discovers that she's not. Um and it, this actually kind of makes her a little bit more crazy as the as the uh as the season goes on because she still doesn't feel that's true deep down inside. So yeah. it definitely will be a conflict for her. We're um we're back obviously in a dream. Uh Rosalyn was she getting ready or something Leoben comes up behind her and whispers and says I have something to tell you um, that wakes her wakes Rosalind up in shock um, and she talks to Billy gets more information there's one there's only uh, less than an hour left before this bomb is supposed to go off and so she insists on speaking with Leoben personally and goes to the Geminon traveler. I wrote she is very angry <laughs> right now, um yeah, yeah,
1: well, she gets there, and Starbuck is in the process of having him you know dunked in a bucket,
0: yeah, well, that moment is interesting though, because he is getting drowned, but the way she tells them she tells the Marines to stop it and she, but she's just like let him up come on like yeah so yeah so she's definitely like at this point she is yeah she's like not it's not not on his side but she definitely is not on board with this drowning any longer or this torture
1: he says all of this has happened before and all of it will happen again yes and she's like don't quote scripture you don't have the right to use those words
0: mm-hmm He says, each of us plays a role, each time a different role. Maybe the last time I was the interrogator and you were the prisoner. The Mm -hmm. players change. The story remains the same. And this time, this time your role is to deliver my soul unto God.
1: Yep. He says it's her destiny and his. And then he says um, that he has a surprise for her. You're going to find Kobol, the birthplace of us all. Kobol will lead you to Earth. But that's when Rosalind comes in.
0: Yeah. And so when he says that line, you know, again, I remember watching it initially. And as a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica, when he said it, I was just like, oh, this is so meta. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, and like, it seemed like a clever way to acknowledge that the original show happened, you know, and not necessarily, not necessarily happened in their reality, but just like, you know, this, we're, we're we're retelling the story and, and the way he states it about roles change, uh, players change, the story remains the same. Obviously, you know, there's, um, we can take like, you know, on a literal level we can take um Sharon who be who Sharon who's boomer who dies but then that same model becomes Athena who was a player from the original BattleStar um uh-huh. yeah and um you know roles reversing i actually uh, kind of came across i and never realized it before but even uh <laughs> president adar was a uh, um, I think I, he was either shown or mentioned in the, in the original Battlestar. I think he was, I think he was like resistant to, um, the fleet leaving Caprica, um, after the Cylons initial attack. Um, so they even, you know, even, even president ADAR shows up, even though he, he's only ever mentioned here in, in flash or in, um, um, recalls of stories. I think he's, I think he shows up in a flashback at some point. He does. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, so it's, like, on that level, um, talking about it it, it, it kind of fills in some, like, you know, kind of plot holes or questions <laughs> that we might have about this story. But it also is effective because it sets up to this point in this particular show, we aren't necessarily looking for Earth. We, like, they, he said they are. But they're not, right? Um, so it wasn't on the table. When I'm, like, as a viewer, you're like, uh, like I know that they, that's the whole point of Battlestar Galactica is they need to find Earth. But then in the miniseries, he's like, there's no really, there's Earth doesn't really exist. Um, mm-hmm. So then we're kind of waiting for them to find their new, like, plot thread. And then Leoben. Inter, intercepts this whole thing and it's like no, actually you're going to find Cobalt, which actually will lead you guys to Earth. So now we're like, okay, Earth's real, and this mm-hmm. is all. Well, we we'll find out in three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, it's like it's like for is it you know it's meta upon meta, uh, and also. You know, I talked about this before, but like, you know, I remember there there are there's a large contingent of people that, you know, either wholesale do not like the finale or they don't like the certain piece of the finale with Starbuck and how she exits the show. I never had that problem. And I didn't even, I don't even need to refer back to all the stuff that I've been talking about the last few episodes about the original show and how that can can fit in with the the ship of lights and Starbuck being a messenger and whatever, an angel, like literally he, in this episode, I always would refer back to this and be like, if you thought that this idea of mysticism came out of nowhere, you like kind of missed the point Mm -hmm. (laughs) because this episode drops it all there. It's all there for you. It's just whether I think whether you accept it or not is another question. I think. And as the show moves along, like initially when he says it, like even we, the viewer, would question whether he's telling the truth or not. But as the show moves along, we find out that hey, he actually – there's large parts of it that he either knew or saw that was true. And so parts of it are true. Other parts can be true. So
1: mm-hmm. that's my – Well, he does exactly what Adama says. He mixes – truth with the lies. Yeah. So it's true. They're going to find Kobal, and they do find Kobal,
2: Yeah. And
1: that does help lead them to earth in a way. But he also, he also says Adama is a Cylon, which is a lie.
0: Yeah. The, the, the part of him, the part of him saying that he knows that she'll find Kobal and that will lead them to earth. Actually, kind of like helps me ignore the plan even more (laughs) 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 because like that, because again, like that whole part I was talking about earlier about like demystifying this whole thing. And like, he was obsessed. It said that he was obsessed with her and found all this information, but there's no, like there's, there's no way he would have known about this part. So there, he had to be plugged in or tied into this idea of, finding um, Cobalt and Earth in another way, you know?
1: Well, I think if it's, I mean, not to defend the plan, Hmm. but if what was said about him was said by somebody else, he's obsessed with her. Like, maybe he's obsessed with her, but that's because he's had these visions or whatever about her, and so that's what made him start digging and trying to learn everything he could about her because... Maybe he's having dreams and she's in them, and he's just like, "What the hell?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who is this person?" But to the outside, to the other Cylons, they're just like, "He's obsessed with this Starbucks character."
0: Yeah, I, I do know. Like this, this motif, obviously, this motif of dreams becomes very powerful um, as we move along to like later in later in the season and like throughout the show, we get more and more bits of kind of dreams intersecting with reality. And, um, it's used as a confirmation about there's some other force or other side to things, um, that never really gets explained. But I think it just like, again, it undercuts that idea of just like, it's this totally, um, practical grounded. Um, I was listening on the radio waves and I heard you say I heard the name Starbuck and I got obsessed, <laughs> you know, it's like there, there, there definitely is something greater at play. So I'm going to, I'm going to ignore the plan fully. It will never be discussed on this podcast again.
2: <laughs>
0: Until the next time it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Rosalyn, you know, Rosalind enters and she, you know, she's, In full-on teacher mom mode, which I love. I love when she's like this. She basically, you know, again, one thing I think is interesting is that she, you know, she's asking Starbuck, like, you know, what were you, like, what's going on here? What are you doing? Um, Are we any closer to the truth? Like, all the answers are no, 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 no. And she, sort of like, with a level of, like, stern compassion... Like, she calls him a man initially, and then, you know, it's almost like she checks herself, and it's, like, this uh, thing or whatever, like a machine. Um, So in her brain, she, like, is still having um, this, like, uncertainty about what it is that's before her eyes, and how to, how do you place a name to this idea of what this new thing is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Starbuck is, <laughs> Starbuck is so shut down <laughs> at this yeah. point. She's just like, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, because Rosalind's like, you have spent the last eight hours torturing him, and you don't have a single piece of information to yeah. show for it.
0: We're not, no closer than we were before. And she brings up the fact that the fleets has uh, been separated. Yeah. Um, and it, it's putting them in jeopardy. She tends to like, she kind of did that when, um, you know, when, Starbuck was lost, was stranded on the planet and she, you know, she dresses down yeah. a tie and Adama. Like, you know, you're, you're putting us all at risk by this thing. Um, Leoben kind of relents, apologizes and admits that there is no bomb. Is It's, it's a kind of interesting because Rosalind actually does her part to like Try to broker some kind of peace or truce. Um,
1: Well, Kara has been using the stick. mm
0: -hmm. And
1: Rosalind comes in with the carrot. Mm -hmm. She's nice. She has him cleaned up. She has them take his restraints off. She says that she can guarantee his safety. She can order his release. But they only have a few minutes left before the bomb goes off. Um, They don't want. She doesn't want this conflict to continue between the Cylons and the humans. So let's trust each other. Tell her what she needs to know and she'll let him live. So he admits it doesn't exist. That he made it up because he was too far out. He didn't want to die. So he made up this story to buy time.
0: Which I think is a lie.
1: I think that's a lie too, because we know that this Leoben comes back. Yeah. This is the Leoben that kidnaps Kara. Yeah. So wherever the resurrection ship is, it's not too far away for him to download.
0: And he like, and I think he would have known that. Like, it it wasn't necessarily like the fear, and it's almost like he, in in a certain way. It's just popping in my head now. In a certain way, he's sort of um, copping to an accusation in the same way that Sosinus did back in the lit- litmus episode, where um, he's just like, I'm, I'm just going to, whatever you're saying is true. <laughs> right? So he, like, it's in a different mode than that um but he mm-hmm. definitely like i definitely don't think that he actually thought these things it's almost like um he he recognized in his, in in a spiritual sense he recognized his mission was over um mm-hmm. and so he just kind of gives them whatever riff he gives them maybe he knows that he will he will download into the next body, so he's just like I'm. You know, peace out. But he has a little parting gift. Yeah. <laughs> um, he grabs Rosalind. Um, like she's orders him in the airlock. He she has him it's before has his,
1: he she orders him to the airlock.
0: Yeah, he has it well, has his uh, what his uh, bonds taken off so that he can do this? Grabs her, and she tells everyone to back off. Um, And I think it's, you know, because she's still curious, like she's had these dreams and stuff kind of happens like in the dream, right? Like he keeps whispering things in her ear, kind of expecting him to say some kind of like more mystical, (laughs) secrety, uh, philosophical stuff. But he whispers into her ear, Adama is a Cylon. She's shook by this, Mm -hmm. plays it off, whatever backs up. And then he's ushered into the airlock.
1: Well, she asks Kara about the bomb. Mm-hmm. No bomb went off. So then she says to put him in the airlock. Yeah. And Kara's like, "Wait, no! Like he told you the truth." Yeah. And is like, "I can. You have lost perspective. Yeah. You've allowed him to remain alive and spread our fleet out, defenseless." And I wrote down what she said here, which was, he puts insidious ideas in our minds more lethal than any warhead. He creates Mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. But you're right. He is a machine, and you don't keep a deadly machine around when it kills your people and threatens your future. You get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Just like Windows 95. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh,
1: God. What a <laughs> shitty operating system that was <laughs> uh, <laughs> kids ask your parents yeah. what's windows 95 <laughs> oh
0: man um yeah so you know so liban is is placed in the airlock and it's very dramatic he puts his hand up on the window and on the glass and uh starbuck puts her hand up on the glass and I I, should, I thought about the, the the practicality of that moment. I would I'd be, I would seriously be questioning her loyalty at that point. Like, what's going on here? You know, they don't ever really like discuss it or anything. Yeah. But um, but you know, we see that connection that she had, and in I and I mean, it is a pivotal turning point, which again, planting seeds for um, our two two part finale a little bit later. Where her, I think her spirit, her spirituality gets, um, I want to, I want to say reawakened, but it's really like awakened. Like I think mm-hmm. it was very ritual before, but in after this, it becomes this inner being knowing kind of thing. So it's like it, it, it becomes awakened in a belief sense. Um, I don't even know if I'm saying it quite right, but
1: yeah, she says a prayer for him.
0: Yeah she i mean and it's a it's a it's a big prayer like lords of coble hear my prayer take like take care of his soul like what Mm -hmm. like after all of that and it but it's because she was shown that there was more like you know she was treating him like a machine just a machine but she realized that there is more to him than that. But also, um, is, you know, she re- he revealed a truth about her inner self that she never either admit, admitted to herself or knew. She might not have mm-hmm. even known, you know? Um, yeah. So they definitely have that connection at that point. And when he goes out of the airlock from Rosalind's perspective... He's looking down and he looks up in that same uh, frame as earlier in the episode when they were in the dream. It's um, at this time behind him is, uh, you know, the the back of the airlock. But then it flashes really quickly to the dream. Um, mm-hmm. And then he flies out into space just like he did um, earlier in the episode. And goodbye, Leoban. We'll see you later. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll see you later. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then back on back on Galactica, Kara pulls out her idols. She gives us says a little prayer for him. We have like Adama and and Laura are in I guess in Adama's room, and they're kind of going over um, you know what happened. Um, I forget the exact phrasing that he like he asked. I think he asked like uh, if she'd give her reasons for why she. Uh, he wants to know why
1: she took the risk that she took by going over there
0: yeah
1: and And she says president adar once said that the thing about being president is that you don't have to explain yourself to anyone
0: yeah so like she does that sometimes (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh,
1: and then he's like he's eating and she's just staring at him and he's like Basically like, what's up? And she's like, no, nothing. Yeah. It's but a, it's really, a, she's just like, hmm.
0: There's is something, is Cylon? Is something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and she says it wouldn't no. be
1: an episode of our show if you didn't have at least one Adama impression.
0: Yeah. I I actually had like it's like, where am I going to put mine in here? <laughs> you only had like a couple noteworthy lines. But um yeah, it sets up uh, all of our conflict for the next episode, which um uh strangely enough gets played out as comedy (laughs) (laughs) after all of this tension. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the episode, flesh and bone.
1: So was Baltar the worst this week?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm gonna say I definitely am gonna say yes just because obviously he has this truth and he doesn't tell anybody. And it's like, come on guy.
1: I said no but he could have saved Adama from being shot if he wasn't scared of telling Sharon the truth. Mm -hmm. Who gets full colors?
0: Um, It's okay. My initial answer was like, would be Starbuck, but I actually feel she was kind of like, I think I, I think I said it in an earlier episode. also she's like the worst, but she's also is the best, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I'm going to say that again. Actually no, take it back. Laura Rosalind, full colors.
1: I said Rosalind as well. Yeah. She came in and got shit done.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's my girl, man. Laura for Laura for President President. Laura for President. And then Laura
1: for President again.
0: Laura <laughs> Yeah, later. Again, yeah. Like Laura, we need we need Laura Rosalind, president. Yeah.
1: Who are you throwing out the airlock?
0: Uh <laughs> Yeah, Same. You gotta hear you. Literally. Freak. I mean you we can't not <laughs> say it because that's what it that's how it started, right? So you you gotta <laughs> uh
1: who's your favorite Cylon this week?
0: Um my favorite Cylon this week is it's uh it's it's a boomer Sharon. Um I just she plays a lot, I mean, outside of the look kind of creepy Um, sequence at the beginning she plays a lot of this just so like concerned and innocent I really just feel I don't know I really feel for her right like she's very earnest about not wanting to be a Cylon and Mm -hmm. like and it's just you know makes it all the more heartbreaking for her later
1: I said uh, Athena Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or future Athena because she made a choice here Mm-hmm. To do what was right for herself, and she chose. She chose love. She chose Hilo. She chose not to kill him.
0: Did so she? Did she choose love, or did she choose his abs?
1: I mean, potato, potato.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm always in the gym. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, let's a little more shirtless. Hilo is not something that I would ever complain about. <laughs> also, very tall and handsome. Uh, that's it for my questions. So, where can people find you? you
0: can find me um, the First and Well Chronicles. Uh, I, like First and well Chronicles Instagram. Also, you can find me on Instagram as the Armageddon. And
1: you should probably spell that out, though. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I, it's like a thing. It's like so the the second e is a three. So it's the Armaget three <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not the e, in the, the
1: yeah, not in the e and the the three in Armageddon. Yeah, it's a three.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, just search ADLO Jackson if you're trying to find me anywhere. You find a lot of stuff I've written, a lot of stuff I've done. And uh yeah, first of all Chronicles um and uh TV Obscura on podcasting after dark. We just did a big episode on wrestling if you if you happen to be in wrestling we um covered covered that last week. And um that's about it now for now. I have a couple things to announce as we as we move along and some stuff in the works, but I will share them later. Where can we find you?
1: Okay. Um I'm around uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, have a very public social media presence, but you can find the show on Twitter at, at @galactpod, or no, sorry, galactactopod, um, on Gmail, you can email us your thoughts or your questions at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to listen to previous shows that I have done, I can be found on the unspoiled network. I was on Doctor Who, Lost, Band of Brothers, The Punisher, Vampire Diaries, and then other scattered things that we covered. Yeah, that's it. We got through an
0: episode without talking about Lost. That's pretty good.
1: Oh, shit. I was supposed to find a reason to talk about Lost in every episode. too late. We're gone.
0: Have a good good time, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week.
1: (laughs) Next week, we will be discussing fucking Ellen Ty who... Comes in like a tsunami.
0: She, she's like a wrecking ball. Like well, You
1: on. used that last week. I know, um, but. About we, we, someone else, so.
0: Yeah. But she does. Ellen,
1: so- Ellen's bigger than a wrecking ball.
0: <laughs> I'll think of Ellen another. is
1: a. Whew, we're going to have quite the adventure with that lady.
0: Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I think I will. I'll think of a. I'll think of a song for how she comes in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, until then, what do you hear, Diallo?
0: Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya.